Because I want to just start and get, want you to hear a scripture before we take a seat. <clears throat> you know, it's fantastic to see what God's doing in our church and with the spirit level moving and all these new things that are taking place. Uh, by the way, it's all in preparation for revival. Yeah. That, that's why God's doing all this stuff. It's not just, oh, these are some new good ideas. No, no, there's something that's up. God's getting everything in place. Your pre-service prayer meeting, getting that in place. Revival prayer meetings all over the place, every taking. You know, we've even got a few extra staff on just to help us get everything ready now for what we believe God is going to do. But, you know, as we go after revival, as we go to see the spirit level rising, what we need at the same time is a revival of Bible reading. Yeah. Everyone say revival of Bible reading. Say it again, a revival of Bible reading. So, yeah, so why do we need that? Scripture going to come on the screen for you. Matthew 24, 3 to 4. Tell us when these things will be. This is the last stage. They're asking Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, which we're in? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. The first thing Jesus mentions as the Spirit begins to move and the days in which we live, he said, make sure no one deceives you. Yeah. Our greatest danger now is deception of Christians. Yeah. Getting deceived, believing the wrong things, going off in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so the way to not be deceived, the protection against it, is you have to know the Bible. You have to know the Word of God. You cannot believe everything that you hear. You know, a lot, of, a lot of preaching that comes online, you need to remember that it's not all biblically accurate. They may have thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. Everyone may be clapping. Everyone may be cheering. It may sound fantastic. It does not mean it is biblically aligned. It does not mean you are hearing the truth. And the only way you'll know it's not the truth is if you know this book yourself. You can't work it out from your head. It's going to sound good. It's going to sound right. The problem with deception is it's so subtle. It's so clever. You don't know that you're being deceived. You don't know that that teaching is actually inaccurate. And the way Satan works is he'll give you 90% truth and he'll put 10% poison in there. That'll kill you. So 90% is going to sound fantastic. 10% is going to be right offline and you're gone, burger. You know, that's that, and that's how the enemy works. And so we want to, uh, look today at how to, what, what I've called this, uh, how to scam-proof your life. In other words, not to be scammed by the devil into believing what is not right, and your life is spiritually scammed so you can't enjoy the walk with God that He intended for you. And so I want to explore that today. You may be seated. Thank you. It's a great danger that's taking place. You know, uh, one of the things that we found in Nepal is the main reason people are getting saved is through healing. It's just something God's doing. And I said, how did it all happen? They just started praying. People started getting healed. It's not like there was a mighty move or someone prayed for it or cried out for it. Not that I know. People just started getting healed. The problem is they've got healed, but they don't know the book. And so there's a great danger. They get healed. They say for a while, and then they lose their way because they're not grounded in biblical knowledge and biblical truth. And so when we get you know, when we believe things that are not accurate to the Word of God, then we get spiritually scammed. What I mean by that is we believe what is not true, and so then we don't experience what God wants us to experience. 
We won't experience Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That is based on the fact that you know this Bible, you know what is true, and you live according to what is written here. It's too easy to avoid all of that, and then your walk with God doesn't turn out the way it should be. One in five New Zealanders are targeted by scammers, and you're reading it all the time. It's very subtle, it's very clever, it's very diverse. They change their tactics all the time. Uh, the people that are trying to trap the scammers get, are getting left behind because they're so very, very clever. And so people get duped into losing thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. There are probably people in this room here today and you have been scammed financially. But I'm telling you this, it's far worse to get scammed spiritually, to be robbed by the devil of what is yours from God. You know that deception is very clever, it's very powerful, and it's very convincing. So I wanna share with you, if I get to them all this morning, four ways that you can scam-proof your life, spiritually and in life generally, because you get scammed spiritually, you don't live the life God has for you. So number one, very basic, is read your Bible every day. Read your Bible daily. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now watch Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. Everyone who partakes only of milk, that's kind of the very basics of the word of God, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When you know the Bible, you can discern what's good, what's evil, what's truth, and what is error. Yeah. If you don't know the Bible, you will be easily deceived. So we gotta be, have a, that's why we need a revival of Bible reading, and it's absolutely essential as the revival fire is heading our way. We gotta know this book, because spiritual activity is gonna go to another level, and all kinds of visions and dreams and experiences and revelations are gonna take place. But friends, if we don't know what's written in this book, people are gonna go off track. And that's why you hear stories of people who've had major encounters with God, been touched by heaven, been slain and knocked down, but no longer in church, no longer following Jesus. Some of them are backslidden. I'm telling you the reason why is they didn't know the book. It's one of the main reasons that's why it happens. So in some ways, to be spiritually quickened and enlightened and to, to, to step into the realm of the Spirit can actually be dangerous if you don't know what's actually written in the book. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Don't be afraid of an amen from time to time. I've just been in Nepal. Just a reminder. Okay. So read your Bible and uh, read what it says. The tragedy today, and I hope it's not true of you, is 85% of Western Christians do not read their Bible Monday through Sunday. 85%, everyone say 85%. 85%. Now tell the person to you, that's a lot. 85% do not know this book and are very vulnerable to deception. Very vulnerable to going off track, 85%. No wonder the nation is full of backslidden Christians far, far from God, because they never knew what, they never took time to find out what was written in this book. Having more translations <laughs> hasn't resulted in more Bible reading. Isn't that interesting? 
So many translations. You look at the, what translation do you want? There's about 50 translations. No more Bible reading. That was a bit of a trick, wasn't it? Of the enemy. A.W. Tozer said this. Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. Satan's greatest weapon against you, his greatest weapon against you is you don't know the book. You don't read the Bible. His greatest weapon is not all this other stuff that you might think, oh, the enemy is attacking me there, he's attacking me this way, and this person is against me, and I've been uh, hurt, and I've been wounded, and you know, my church fell out, whatever. That's not his greatest weapon. This book, not knowing the book, is, is, is anyone with me this morning? Is anyone with me this morning? His greatest weapon is we don't know the book. Wow. I wonder how many of us, uh, how, many is, how many of us has he got? How many of us has he got? You might be some of you sitting there going, oh my gosh. I've got no spiritual armor. I'm going to get taken out. Because I don't know the book. A ministry school, there's an element there of getting to know this book more. It's got to be there. So important. All spirit, we blow up. (laughs) That's the problem. People say, yeah, give me more spirit, more spirit. God, touch me, touch me. Great, I pray that too. If that's all you get, you're going to blow up. All word, it's only the book, which is not a problem for most of us. We dry up. But word in your spirit, you grow up. That's why you need a revival of prayer in the spirit and you need a revival of the Bible. Put the two together and we're gonna be okay. Church Unlimited, we're gonna be okay because we're gonna have a revival of Bible reading and a revival of prayer. Tell the person next to you, there's a revival of Bible reading coming your way. (laughs) So we need a balanced devotional life. So I want you to go home today and do an audit. How much time do you do spend reading your Bible and how much time do you do spend praying? And do a check. Make a change if you need to. So if you're doing mostly praying, you need to adjust that and add some Bible reading. If you're just mostly Bible reading, you need to adjust that and do some praying as well. If you do neither, you better adjust and better start doing both of them. All right, all right. So here's a goal for you, you know. Let me take it from Scripture, because some of you are Bible students here, and you want Scriptures all the time. That's why I give them to you. Uh, Matthew 26, 40. Came to his disciples, found them sleeping, said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Here's a good guide, one hour with God. 30 minutes in prayer, 30 minutes in the Word. It's a good guide. And Jesus would say to you, to me, could you not give me one hour? I'm giving you 24. Could you give me one? Tell the person next to you, that's very reasonable. Huh? That's very reasonable. Don't rob God of his one hour. You give God one hour, he'll bless your 23 hours. He will bless your 23 hours. I'm telling you, give him the one. If you don't give him the one, then you're probably going to have a tough day. Now, once you've got 30 in the Word and 30 in prayer, push the prayer up to one hour. You might say, oh, pastor, you're too tough on us. No, no, you can do this. It's in the Bible, therefore you can do it. Watch with me, one hour. All right, now, some of you say, yeah, I read the Bible, I don't understand it. Well, start with some parts you do understand. You know, start with Proverbs. Some simple Proverbs, you know. Easy to understand, just gives you wisdom. 
And then go to the Psalms. They're easy to understand. Cry with David right all the way through the Psalms. And then if you get past that, go to John. You know, so don't, give, don't not read the Bible because don't start on Leviticus. Probably not smart. You know, don't start on Deuteronomy, although Deuteronomy is great. And maybe you could leave Ezekiel for a few weeks. Start with Proverbs or John or Psalms. Get, and get yourself a simple Bible commentary. You know, go, go online and just say, simple Bible commentary, please. <laughs> I'm very simple. And uh, it's going to help you. Once you start getting into it, it's going to get really very, very exciting. So I brought my, my main Bible to church this morning. So I want you to see that it is well used. But if, 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 you're able, if you could get close enough, you know, you probably can't see it. It's, 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 all, it's all the colors of the rainbow there. If you put a light on it, there'd be a rainbow up there because I love marking my Bible all the way through. Virtually every page has got colored markings because when I read my Bible and something makes sense to me, there you are, see Isaiah 46, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Israel. So he had, he had supernatural power. Uh, he outran the chariot. I underlined that. I thought that's a good verse. Yeah. Hey, don't you reckon? Who reckons that's a good verse? Yeah. You know, so um, then you, you just read wherever you want to read every, every time you come across something. Um, you know, in verse 18 of uh, 1 Kings 90, yes, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal. So he said, hey, there's, there's still people in, in, in the nation that are not bowing down to all the false gods. So I underline that. Oh, cool, God, that's really cool. And, you know, there we go. And there's another one here. I humbled myself with fasting. I crossed that one out. <laughs> it's also underlined in green. Thank you, church. All right. Here's another one. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart. He saves such as have a contract. You got a broken heart this morning? Underline it. The Lord's near you. God draws near to the broken hearted. You know, there's some wonderful scriptures in here. Here's another one, verse 8. Look, I'm not going to get through my message because I'm too excited about all these verses. Can you see what happens though? You've underlined these verses. They're so exciting. You go back to them, you, you find an underlined part and you think, man, this is going to inspire me. Here's this one here. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him, delivers him. He's going to see you. Isn't that verse 8 of Psalm 34? Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste the Lord. This is the Lord. This book is Jesus. Taste it. Taste it. Taste it. You'll find it's good. You'll find it edifies you. You'll find it builds you up. You'll find it encourages you. You'll find it strengthens you. If you'll find it increases your faith. Then it says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Is there someone here this morning you need to trust him? You're going through something, you're just not quite sure, it's not working out for you, you're worried about it, bless it. Hey, if you trust him, bless it. Bless it means, oh, it's so good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. So friends, just find some verses that encourage you. Even if you read those on a regular basis, you're still feeding yourself on the word of God. You know, as a Christian early years, I struggled with Bible reading. I found it dull, boring, and uh, I, I just found it really, really hard going. But I was smart. And you know what I did? Who wants to know what I did? Yeah. I asked God to give me a hunger for his word. And he said, okay, it's yours. Oh, 40 years ago, never lost it. It was that simple. I've prayed for a number of people. I got a message from a lady in Invercargill. She was listening to me on radio, like all of you do. What, what did I speak on last week, guys? Mm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All that time and effort I put to smooth. 
Let's have underlined all these verses on, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. I have to go to that verse very often. I go to that verse most days after I've seen you lot. <laughs> anyway, this true Christian listened to me on radio, and she'd felt God speak to her about reading the Bible more. She thought, oh, man, I can't do this. But at the end of that session that she heard, I prayed for people who wanted to hunger for their Bible. And she sent me an email saying, hey, listen to that prayer. And since that day, God's given me a hunger for the Bible. I had a young a Christian, been a Christian for decades, came to my office and he said, Pastor, I've got a problem. I said, what's your problem? He said, the Bible is dry and boring. Would you pray for me? So I prayed for him. He said, next three days, nothing happened. He said, but then about three days in, he said, God gave him a hunger for the word. And he came and saw me 10 years later and he said, it's never gone. End of the service, I'm going to pray that God's going to give you a hunger for the word. And we're going to have a Bible reading revival. A Bible reading revival. A Bible reading revival. Come on, that'd be, you know, to me, the, the need for the churches to, well, no, I'm going to get through this. No, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Slow down, slow down. All right. Now listen to this. You'll like this. Survey of 40,000 people. They found that those who read the Bible once a week makes no difference. Those who read it twice a week, virtually no difference, negligible. You read it, and that you're talking about reading it, not just two minutes or three minutes. You read and meditate. Three times a week, minor difference. Four times a week, a dramatic change in your life. How dramatic? Let me tell you. At four times a week, loneliness drops 30%. Anger drops 32%. Bitterness drops 40%. You alcoholics, I was just trying to discern in the spirit, you know. Um, <laughs> alcohol, alcoholism drops 57%. Here's a big one. Viewing porn drops 61%. Wow. That's just in reading your Bible four times a week. Imagine seven times a week like I do. Just goes to a whole new level again, doesn't it? So... Start reading your Bible four times a week. Loneliness, it's going to drop 30%. Anger, 32%. Bitterness, 40%. Wow, resentment, all that sort of stuff, you know? It just drop, drops away. Alcoholism, 57%. Porn, 61%. Boy, it is, isn't it worth reading your Bible? It really is. It makes such a difference. But when we skimp on reading the Bible, it results in a shallow faith. A shallow faith. We're vulnerable to sin, and our interest in spiritual things is low. You know, our excitement about church is low. So you just come every so often. You can't even get every week because it's just shallow faith. You know, our desire for worship, it's just low. Desire for prayer, prayer means just low. Low spiritual. That's what happens when you're shallow. When you're shallow in the Word, you're shallow in your faith. So here's a suggestion I want to make to you today. And there's a person in our, our, our church who told me this. They made a decision, because they weren't getting into this probably enough. And so they said, they didn't read the Bible on one day, then they would not have breakfast the next day. Made a clear decision. Tell the person next to you, I think that you need to do that. 
Everybody say, no Bible, no breakfast. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, no Bible, no breakfast. Who reckons that's a good plan? No one, okay. <laughs> All right, maybe you can't do that one. Try this one. Get up in the morning, get ready. Before you eat your breakfast, read your Bible. Because I believe spiritual food is more important than physical food. Spiritual food is more important than physical food. I am not sure why you're all clapping. <laughs> I'm just not sure, all right? But I'm pleased that you are. Read your Bible, even if it's 10 minutes. And then have your breakfast. So when you get to go to bed tonight, get your Bible out and put it at your be breakfast, wherever you have and put it there. And if you've got one of these, open it up there. I'm ready to read. Okay, and then it'll remind you, I need to read my Bible. And I tell you, your breakfast's going to taste sweeter. It's going to nourish you even more. All right, okay. So I want to challenge you next year, read through the whole Bible. Next year. 2024, the year you read the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. All right, number two, my time is gone, but I've got to keep going. I get half the sermon this morning. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of it. I mean, that, was, that part was average, but boy, it really gets good. The last three points, which I won't get to, but they really get good. Number two, how to scam-proof your life is truly believe what the Bible says. Truly believe what the Bible says. Matthew, here's an example. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All right? Very simple Bible truth, right? But the problem is a lot of Christians don't believe it. They don't believe that verse, so they don't do it. So they don't seek first the kingdom of God. They seek first their job. They seek first the money. They seek first a husband or wife. They seek first a house. They seek first, you know, victory over a problem. They seek all these things. First. Nothing wrong with those things, but they don't seek first the kingdom of God. So they don't really believe that verse. They are spiritually scammed because then God cannot add everything else to them. Then they wonder, why is my Christian life not working like it should be? Why don't I get the blessing that I should be getting? Because you're not believing fully what the Bible says. If you truly believe that, you put God first, He would add everything to you in your life. That is the promise of the Word of God. That's what we gotta believe. But if we don't believe the whole Bible, we get spiritually scammed. And we miss out on life. It's very simple, friends. It's not hard to understand how the devil is so clever. So here's, let me give you another one. If that one didn't get you, this one will get you. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God. So that thing that you're going through right now, that problem, that struggle, that trial, that difficulty, that misery, that pain, that hurt, that angst, that betrayal, that disappointment, that, that, whatever it is, my Bible says God can work it for your good. All right? Now, here's the problem. A lot of Christians don't believe that. They just don't believe that God 
I mean, how many of you are sitting there thinking, wow, God's going to work this for my good? Man, I'm so excited. You'd have a smile on your face all the time, right? But if you don't believe that verse, that God can get work for it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a bit upset with God. You can get resentful towards people. You're going to complain about this, complain about that, complain about the other thing. Because life's not working out for you the way you thought it should. Things haven't happened for you how it should. And you think, man, I've been let down. I've been handed a lemon. You know, I'm not getting what I deserve. And you know, why is this all happening to me? And, you're, and so, because you don't believe that verse, you're not going to see it fulfilled. You getting me? Anyone understand what I'm saying? See, that's why we get scammed. We don't believe fully what the Bible says. And that's probably one of the biggest ones, that whatever you're going through today, if you keep a smile on your face, keep a soft and a sweet spirit, God will work it for good. God will work it for good. God will work it for good. Whatever you're facing, all things. Everyone say, all things. Say it again, all things. Say it again, all things. Now say, my thing. Yeah, the thing I'm suffering. Come on, let's say it together. The thing I'm suffering. Say it louder. The thing I'm suffering, God will work it for good. Say it again. The thing I'm suffering, I know God will work it for good. Is there a praise in the house for a king? Is there a praise in the house for the Lord? Almighty God. Look, there's no one on the planet that can do that. There's no other force of, on, on earth that can take the, the worst thing in your life and turn it for good. And even now as I preach it, some of you are thinking, I don't think so. That's how you get spiritually scammed. That's how you get spiritually cheated. But if we believe the Bible, we're going to get there. All right, I'm going to give you one more, and then I've got to stop. Oh, you might wish I'd stop now. The third way you get scammed, not how to not get scammed, be a doer of what the Bible teaches. James 1.22, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. What comes next? We have a problem, church. We hear this over and over again. We don't do it. So therefore we are mm, deceived. Deceived. I reckon that verse is possibly the greatest challenge facing the Western church today. Possibly the greatest challenge facing the Western church today is we hear and we hear and we hear and we hear, but we don't do. Can I prove that to you a bit? I'll try and do that. Explains why, and you know some of these people, hundreds or many, many Christians have been in church 20, 30, 40 years, heard hundreds of sermons, some have heard thousands of sermons, and yet they're no more spiritually mature today than many years ago. They don't manifest the fruit of the Spirit like they should be. Fruit like love, self-control, righteousness, patience, long-suffering. They struggle to forgive people who hurt them and upset them. They struggle to be kind to everybody around them. They, they, they battle to get into church on a weekly basis and bring their kids. What's happened, friends? 
We're doers of the word, not doers. We're just hearers of the word and not doers. So we, we remain spiritual babes. And we don't reflect Jesus to the world around us. We struggle to read this book and we struggle to pray after being in church 5, 10, 20 years. How does that happen, friends? I've just told you. We're spiritually scammed. We hear and hear because, friends, listen carefully. We don't grow by hearing. We don't, you're not going to grow by hearing this message. You will not grow by hearing this message. You will not grow by hearing this message. You will only grow if you do what the message says. You've got to do something with your message. That's when you start to grow. But most Christians, many Christians, we're happy to hear and never do. We're deceived. We think we're doing all right. But actually, we're not doing all right. Do you still love me? Yes. My front row does. What about the back row? What about in the balcony? Still love me? No, okay. <laughs> You know, the fruit of the Spirit. Some of these things, Bible repressed. This is Christianity 101. This is the very foundations of Christianity. You know, getting to church each week, that's Christianity 101. That's the start. That's just where you start. Praying, that's where you start. You know? Getting to a prayer meeting, that sort of thing. And, you know, we're deceived because we actually, <laughs> I think it might sound a bit tough, but just love me anyway. We're deceived because we think we're mature at this level. We're actually down here. Because we know so much. Oh, I'm quite mature. But the reality is we're not as mature as we think. I mean, how good are you at forgiving people? How good are you at loving your enemies? How good are you at self-control? At patience? At just being kind? <laughs> Everyone around you. Now, I fall short in some of these areas as well, but I do believe I'm making progress. And everyone said, thank you, Jesus, for that. <laughs> so I'm going to finish with this. The enemy is trying to scam us, and there's not a lot, you know, Bible, we need a revival of Bible reading. Well, the good news is this, is that this is all going to change very soon because there's going to come a revival of Bible reading. There's going to come a revival of prayer. And when we get that, when we get both prayer and the word coming together, you just watch the spiritual temperature in this place is going to escalate to a level that you have not seen before, ever seen before. There will be miracles in the house. Signs and wonders will flow. You will see breakthroughs. You will see answers to prayer. You will see, see victories that you've been waiting for for a long time, what the enemy meant for evil in your life. God is going to work it for good, all things, and God's going to work all things together for good for them that love God. You're going to be alive in the spirit. You're going to be hungry for God. You're going to be passionate to serve him. Revival fire will break out. Signs and wonders will be in abundance. There'll come a move of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen before. Your family and your friends are going to get saved. Your relationships are going to come right. Your marriages are going to be restored. Your, your children are going to love you once again, and you're going to love your children, and God will pour out His Spirit. What we need is a revival of prayer. We're moving it towards that, and we need a revival of prayer. As the musicians come, a revival of, of Bible reading. When we're 
put those two together, we can move forward with confidence. We can move forward knowing that we're not going to be tripped up. We can move forward knowing we're not going to be deceived. We're not going to be moved to the left or to the right because we know the Word. We know how to pray. When you know all Word, you blow, uh, you dry up. All Spirit, you blow up. But the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. You have revival. You have transformation. And we can turn New Zealand back to Jesus as we do these things. Amen.